The Geek Visions Podcast, the podcast that is dedicated to the big three of visual media, that being film, video games, and television, with a keen special eye on the more geeky aspects of those three. But let's admit, that's pretty much what all those are right about now. Anyway, uh, I am your host, Hoover, and this is another edition of the Geek Visions Reviews. And for this review, we will be reviewing the highly highly anticipated spider-man no way home the third entry of the spider-man mcu adventures now for those who don't know a geek visions review is very spoiler heavy we'll be going into uh the story elements and talking about everything that has to do with the story um but we'll do something a little bit different in this review because at the very end when we give our final score i will have a small section where i pretty much talk about the uh uh a non-spoiler kind of you know review uh you know part that'll be at the very end right before the final score so if you are worried about spoilers and you haven't seen the film yet and you plan to then you can go ahead and skip right to that moment i'll have a timestamp. Uh, I have a time step on the chapter marker section, but I also have kind of where that starts in the description. So you can just go right to that moment and just go right to the end and get, you know, just kind of my general thoughts and ideas on the film and then the final score. And don't have to worry too much about spoilers. But if you have seen the film and don't really care about spoilers, then you can just listen to this whole thing from beginning to end. And then of course, I'll talk about an overview. I'll talk about the story. I'll say what I don't like, what I did like, um, you know, some small little elements that I can't really, that I didn't really dive too deep, dive too deep into in the story section. And then, of course, like I said, the final score with a small little uh, non-spoiler wrap up kind of review going on there. So, of course, Spider-Man No Way Home is the, well, as I mentioned, the highly anticipated final entry of the Spider-Man adventure uh, so far. So, did it live up to the hype? Were all of the fan theories (laughs) that were going into this turn out to be true? Well, I guess we'll have to go into it and find out. So, I'm super excited about this. I can't wait to talk about it and talk about my ideas on it. So, let's just jump right into it. And we will start with, of course, our overview. So, of course, Spider-Man No Way Home released on December 17th, 2021. It is only available in theaters. It is written by Chris McKenna and Eric Somers. It is directed by John Watts. And it stars Tom Holland, Zendaya, Jacob Batalon, Benedict Cumberbatch, Marissa Tomei, Alfred Molina, Willem Dafoe, Jamie Foxx, John Favreau, Tony Rivalori, and Benedict Wong. And then, of course, now this is where the spoiler starts. So if you if you don't, if you worry about spoilers, then please just go, like I said, go ahead and skip to the, the final score slash wrap up portion. But if you don't, they keep going. But I'm telling you right now, this is where the spoilers start. So let's go right into the plot. 
So we start right where Far From Home left off. Peter's identity is revealed by Mysterio and the attack on London and his death are also blamed on him. Uh, where that news drops, he and MJ are immediately hounded by a crowd and the news, so they try to immediately escape. Um, they head into Peter's apartment where May and Happy are coming right off of their uh, their breakup. Um, a little bit of chaos as they eventually find out why what's going on and what's happening as news and the crowd are surrounding the apartment. Uh, eventually, Peter is arrested by the Department of Damage Control. Remember them from Homecoming uh, for the charges against him for the London attack. MJ, Ned and May are also all taken in and interrogated. Uh, but Peter is able to get his charges dropped uh, against him. Thanks to some help from his lawyer, who turns out to be none other than Matt Murdock played by Charlie Cox, of course, Daredevil, from the Netflix series Daredevil, another long-rumored appearance that he, another long-rumored that he was going to appear in this movie turned out to be true. And so some good things happened in there, especially if you've been following Hawkeye series that's currently airing on Disney Plus right now. But anywho, he's able to get the charges against him dropped, but he does warn him that he still has to deal with the court of public opinion. So Peter and the gang return to school, which is just as crazy and stressful as you would think. A uh, drastic change from Peter, who was often, you know, not really seen and not really paid attention to in his days in high school, to now having all eyes and all attention on him now. So it turns out that they are in their senior year, and Peter and the gang are all trying to get uh, all moving towards college, and all of them are trying to get into the same college. They have a couple backup colleges, but their main college of choice is MIT. But sadly, due to the Spider-Man controversy currently going on, all of their college applications are denied. Uh, Peter feels extremely guilty about everyone around him being affected, not just Ned and MJ, but also even uh, Aunt May. So he tries to find a solution and he goes immediately to Doctor Strange. So Peter heads to the same thing to find Strange and Wong. He wants Strange to reverse time to before his identity was revealed. But of course, Strange at this time does not have the time stone on him anymore. But he does have another solution to make everyone forget that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. So he takes him to a, a strange little basement part of a little chamber underneath the sanctum uh, where he attempts a, a spell that will let everybody forget that he's Spider-Man. But Peter kind of meddles in it and just disrupts it as he doesn't want everyone to forget he's Spider-Man. He still wants those closest to him to remember MJ, Ned, Aunt May. This, of course, kind of causes the spell to get a little crazy. And um, it eventually breaks out and goes a little bit out of control. Strange is able to contain it before it gets too crazy, but it doesn't work. So... When Strange learns that Peter never even tried to even <laughs> not even to try to even contact MIT to you know relook at his case, he kicks him out. So uh, Peter calls up Flash, who did get into MIT and is actually at a mixer, uh, to try to see if he could find someone to speak to who's there. He pulls it to a woman, but she's now on her way to the airport. So Peter goes to find her and finds her along the highway, but it's there that something happens. Enter Otto Octavius, of course a.k.a. Dr. Octopus, played by Alfred Molina from the uh, Raimi's and, and Tobey Maguire Spider-Man 2. So, he attacks Peter looking for his machine, and in the fight, Peter saves the MIT rep 
and Doc Ock tears a piece of his nanite suit and integrates it onto his arms. But this works both ways, and it also gives Peter control of them as they sync up to a suit. The MIT rep will uh, say she'll give Peter and his friends another look as he tries to find more information from Otto. But just then, Norman Osborn, a.k.a. Green Goblin, also attacks. But Peter and Otto are whisked away by Doctor Strange in his fancy little portal magic. Uh, Strange tells him that when the spell went out of control, some beings slipped, slipped through the multiverse into their world, including the lizard who Strange actually tracked and also have and also has um, locked up, I guess you could say. He tasks Peter to find and capture them all while he works on a way to find a way to get them all home. Uh, Peter brings in MJ and Ned, of course, to help him out and help find out where the where these other multiversal intruders could be. So the first clue he gets actually leads him to Max Dillon, a.k.a. Electro, played by Jamie Foxx, and Flip Marco, a.k.a. Sandman, played by Thomas Hayden Church. He brings them to in uh, Norman, who's still suffering from his uh, his split personality that was uh, common in the uh, original Spider-Man all the way back in 2002, actually walks into uh, the feast, which is a um, uh, sort of a rescue mission that Aunt May runs. So he actually walked into there, and that may cause Peter that he's there. He ends up taking Norman back to the Sanctum, and with all of the bad guys all rounded up, Strange now has their way back. He has an ancient relic, uh, ancient relic box that houses the spell, and with that, he can take them all home. Unfortunately, though, Peter actually learns that the moment that all these people were taken, they were all on the verge of death, and if they go back, that they'll just end up going back to be killed. So, of course, Peter really does not like this idea. So, stop Strange, and the two have a really great, uh, amazing-looking uh, skirmish. Um, but Peter winds up trapping Strange in the mirror dimension, taking the box and a sling ring, and going back to the Sanctum. Uh, Peter vows to help fix the villains and before sending them home in, a, in an attempt so that they won't end up dying, just end up dying when they go back home. So really, with no other choice, all the all the uh, all the villains agree, and they're going along with the plan. So they head to Abby's home, where Peter and Aunt May are actually living since uh, all the uh, all Spider-Man controversy happened, and they know where he lives. So they're living with Happy at the moment. Uh, the Fabricator using the Fabricator, which is the thing he used at the end of Far From Home to build a new suit. He starts working on ways to heal them all and fix their problems. Starting with Doc Ock, he creates a new inhibitor chip, putting him back in control of his arms as opposed to the other way around. He then develops ways to cure all of them, but his spidey sense starts to go off. He doesn't really know how to place it at first. It's this really cool scene where it's like all like, uh, like a, probably like a, a camera attached to tom holland as it like follows him and we just see his face in focus everything behind him is like out of focus and this is a really cool moment but um but uh yeah it turns out that the goblin green goblin was actually been in control this whole time and is refusing to allow him to heal norman of course um meanwhile at the same time uh jake jonah who's a, who appears in this film again played by jk simmons um is tracking spider-man and also uh tipped off the doc the department of damage control 
the D-O-D-C, I'm sorry, um, who are now on their way to try and capture Peter Parker and to try to capture Peter. So, uh, Green Goblin gives a little spiel about, you know, these these uh, things they have aren't curses. They don't, things they need to be fixed. They're actually gifts. And, of course, all heck breaks loose as um, he arrives, Lizard, Electro, and Sandman all break out before they're able to be cured. And Goblin and Peter and Goblin and Peter get into a huge fight, and it's like surprisingly very hard hitting, extremely well done. Um, it's I think Willem Dafoe did a lot of his own stunt work in this scene, and it kind of shows. And it's it's man, it was actually a really cool scene, and I'll talk a bit more about Willem Dafoe later on in this thing. But uh, they fight all the way from the apartment, smashing their way down to the lobby of the of the building. Um, when Green Goblin has Peter on the ropes, Aunt May comes in with the, uh, with the cure that they were working on for him, injects him, but sadly it doesn't work. Uh, Peter wants Aunt May to leave, but she's not going to leave him, not going to leave him behind. Uh, in the classic Spider-Man move, uh, he uses his glider. He hits Aunt May in the back, gets on it and escapes in a volley of pumpkin bombs that he lays across the entire lobby. Um, sadly, that hit from Aunt May proves to be fatal, sadly. Um, Aunt May dies in the film after giving Peter the speech, after he feels like he's guilty, and all of the people got away, even after he tried to help him. She, of course, gave him the speech. And finally, in the for the first time within the Spider-Man MCU series, we finally got the line as she tells him, with great power, there must also come great responsibility. But unfortunately, as I said, May passes away. Uh, the D the damage control arrives. Happy actually also gets there, sees what's going on. He kind of delays damage control for a little bit and allows Peter to escape. So in the fallout of yet another attack where Spider-Man is blamed, MJ and Ned are actually at Ned's grandmother's uh, house. Um... MJ actually has the box. Peter gave it to her for safekeeping. Uh, you know, uh, and just in case anything happened to him or didn't hear back from him, she was instructed to actually hit the button to send them all back. Um, and obviously not hearing from him since then, she wants to activate it, but Ned kind of um, argues against it, wanting to wait a little bit more before they hear from him. While he's waiting, she currently has the sling ring on that Peter took from Dr. Strange. And as he speaks, he begins to spark open a little portal. After trying and some egging on from MJ, he actually opens one up looking for Peter. He actually opens up a portal with Spider-Man on the other side. Only it isn't there Peter. This turns out to be Peter Parker, the Andrew Garfield Peter Parker. One from another universe. Uh, after speaking with him and <laughs> him having to prove that he's actually a Spider-Man... Uh, they try again, and they open up another portal, only this time, it's also a new Peter, and this one is, of course, Tobey Maguire's Peter Parker, Spider-Man. Super dope moment. Um, speaking, of the, speaking to the two Peters, um, they determined that after something like this, uh, Peter would go to a location uh, that he frequents to get away from everything and to be alone. Uh, so they eventually determine that he's probably at the roof of the school, of the high school. So they go there. Um, <laughs> um, uh, from here on, I'm going to, because it's about to get really confusing, having three people playing 
Peter Parker, Spider-Man. So, <laughs> so I'll refer to them as uh, as their actor and then Peter. So we'll have Tom Peter, who's Ho- Tom Holland, the current Spider-Man, uh, Toby Peter, and then Andrew Peter. Uh, I might slip up and refer to their last names as Peter, but you could kind of guess who they'll be. You know, Tom Holland, Andrew Garfield, Tobey Maguire. It's going to be some combination of that name followed by that Peter. So that way we don't get confused having three Peter Parker Spider-Mans. Okay. So we do find Tom Peter <laughs> atop the roof of the high school. Um, MJ and Ned find him. They hug it out, have a nice little nice little cry. They have a little moment. Uh, it tells him that there's some people he should introduce that he needs to that he's used to meet. And that's when uh Toby and Andrew Peter, you know, come down and arrive and they speak to him. Uh, at the moment, Tom, Tom Peter, <laughs> is that kind of like his lowest moment? He's ready just to send the villains back to their home worlds. He tells the other two that, you know, he's sorry for bringing them here. Uh, but the, all those bad guys are their problems. Uh, it's his fault that all this has happened. So he's just kind of tired of dealing with it. So he's going to send them all back. Um, both uh, both uh, Andrew and Toby Peter give a little speech referring to, you know, kind of how they were been at this in the same moment um andrew peter uh tells him the story of how he lost gwen you know who was his mj he tried to go back to being spider-man after that but it was kind of hard eventually he he says eventually he kind of stopped pulling his punches when he was fighting people he became angry he became bitter and it was just a really bad spot for him to be in um and then of course toby peter tells the story of how he lost uncle ben and how, you know, he let a guy get away who he could have stopped, but went on to kill his uncle. And he actually went out hunting for him. And when he got what he wanted, he still didn't feel satisfied. And it was still you know, this emptiness within him. Um, of course, you know, Tom Peter brings up the fact that, you know, it's his fault that his Aunt May died. She gave him the whole great power comes great responsibility thing, which, of course, the other two Peter also know about. Um, Tom, Peter thought she died for no reason after trying to help these guys just for them to turn against him. Um, but of course, after being told that speech, Toby declares that, you know, maybe she didn't die for nothing. She told you that integral, very important piece of advice for Spider-Man, the great power comes great responsibility. So with that, the whole team heads into the high school where they're going to continue to try and find a way to cure the villains because that's just what they do. That's what Spider-Man does. Um, Tom Peter uh, says he can probably fix the machines for Max and Flint. But he thinks the uh, the cures for Kurt Connors and Norman Osborn are completely broken. But uh, Andrew Peter um, says that he can do he can fit, he can handle the cure for Kurt Connors as he's done that before, of course. And Toby Peter can handle the cure for Norman Osborn because it's something he's been thinking about. For a very long time. So we get this really amazing scene. Pretty much from here to the uh to the climax is just this great little interactions between all the Peters and MJ and Ned. And it's just it's just so enjoyable. And it's just these great interactions between them all. Like Ned speaks to Toby Peter and is like, hey, did you have a best friend too? And he tells him the story of uh of of Harry, how yeah, he had a best friend. He died in his arms after he tried to kill him. And, you know, and then Ned just has this really weird look on his face. Um, Andrew looks at um, 
Tom, Peter, and MJ having a moment together, and he feels, you know, a certain way because we know his romantic history. Um, Toby asks him if he has anybody. Um, Andrew says he really doesn't. It's, he seems to, I kind of got the opinion that he kind of seemed to, uh, he says that he really didn't, doesn't have much time for the Peter Parker aspects of his life anymore, which I kind of viewed as him like, basically it seems like he kind of went full time Spider-Man after the death of Gwen Stacy. At least that's kind of what I picked up from it. Um, but Toby tells him a story of like how him and MJ, they had their uh, rough patches in their relationship, but they found a way to make it work in the end. Of course, giving some clarity to their relationship after the events of Spider-Man 3 in his series. So anyway, they work on all the cures, they get them all ready, and now they have to work to get all the villains in one spot. So uh, Tom Peter records a video, sends it to the Daily Bugle.net, <laughs> uh, run by JJ, J, JJ. Yeah, J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah. Uh, he's at the uh, Empire State Building where he's, we have the box, which is, of course, what all the villains want. And now we get to the climax scene. Um, but, of course, like I said, there's just <laughs> some more just really cool moments just between all the Peters. They talk about uh, how Tom and Toby fought an alien, of course, referring to Thanos and Venom. Um, <laughs> man, Andrew's just like, oh, I'm so lame. I never fought an alien. I just fought a, a bald Russian dude in a giant, in a giant rhino outfit. And this is really like kind of like, borderline kind of sweet moment where Toby kind of gives a little pep talk to Andrew. It's like, oh no, you're not lame. You're amazing, dude. Which is, which is a, a nice little meta moment as, you know, um, Andrew Garfield's The Amazing Spider-Man series is typically ranked the lowest of all the Spider-Man movies. And obviously they were like the least grossing Spider-Man movies um, of all of them. So it's just a really nice moment just to, give Andrew Garfield himself his props, even though, you know, just giving him his flowers in this nice little moment here. So, yeah, but anyway, all the villains arrive. Um, Electro gets there first, followed by Lizard and then Sandman. Um, they have this really nice moment where the first time they fight the villains, they have an issue because Toby Peter and Andrew Peter have never fought within a team dynamic before. They are just used to just handling issues on their own. They're used to being solo acts. They've never had to really work within a team before, which is something, of course, Tom, Peter, has an advantage over them, you know, with his uh, with his adventures with the Avengers that he actually brings up to him, uh, <laughs> which was a, another little funny moment. Um, but within this, uh, within their plan, the plan was to get the box away from the Statue of Liberty, Uh, it passes it to MJ and Ned who have a portal open. But of course, when it comes down to it, Ned can't close the portal. Um, so then they kind of devise a plan. They'll take each villain down one by one, whittle them down. And, you know, so they start to start with Sandman. Um, but of course, as usual, things kind of don't really go off the plan. Um, Lizard finds the portal where MJ and Ned are, goes in after them, forces them out of the portal and onto the actual statue. Um, but the plan to kind of, but while that's going on, um, Toby Peter is fighting Sandman. He gets him the cure. He fixes him. Uh, 
and he turns back to a human, and it's actually kind of shocked me, which was uh, it was Tom Thomas Hayden Church actually there in person. At least I think they, you know, with technology nowadays, they could have like used some shots or some footage from Spider-Man Three, and actually had it in there because at this moment he was all uh, he was just in like sand form the whole time. He was just. It was just like, you know, he's just a CG character the whole time. So I, I was actually kind of surprised that he actually popped up, you know, in human form in here. But it was pretty cool. So, yeah, the Cure Sad Man. Then they try to move on to Electro. Um, Doc Ock arrives, gives him a little hand. The Cure Electro. Um, during a battle, MJ uh, ends up falling off some scaffolding. But that happens after Green Goblin gets there because Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin arrives as does Strange who finally get, who finally gets free of the mirror dimension he comes back uh, but yeah MJ falls off some scaffolding uh, Tom Peter tries to save her but Green Goblin's glider knocks him away but luckily in comes Andrew Garfield Peter Parker to save her not by webbing her from the sky but instead grabbing her in his arms and landing on his feet of course to avoid the same thing that happened to Gwen so a nice little redemption moment for Andrew Peter there. Um, but yeah, Tom Peter ends up cornering um, Lizard and they heal him. Um, and yet another surprise, again for me, kind of could be the same thing for uh, Sandman too, but uh, Reese E. fans uh, is also there in person. The actor who play, who portrays Lizard, Kirk Connors, was there in person. Um, so uh, yeah kind of got some things right there but uh yeah green goblin arrives he snatches the relic but they snatch it back get it back to strange so he can um work to get them back home after all cured once they get norman cured but there's a pumpkin bomb in the box and it blows up and it lets loose the spell that strange has kept contained this whole time so with that um another interesting thing that was going on within this in the background was they were adding on Captain America's shield to the um to the Statue of Liberty. But uh during the explosion, you know, everything kind of came down, the shield came down too. Uh and uh Tom Peter webbed up Green Goblin and both of them landed within the shield on the ground. So now the spell is kind of getting loose. It's causing a rip within the multiverse. Doctor Strange goes up to try and contain it. Meanwhile, Peter and the Green Goblin fight. Um Peter actually says he wants to kill Green Goblin himself. So get another really hard hitting visceral fight. I mean, like, dude, the fighting in this was just great. But between uh, Peter and the Green Goblin, and it was like one of the most giddy things I, <laughs> I watched in the movie theater was seeing the fight between them two. So um, actually in this one, when Tom Peter gets the upper hand, he actually picks up the Green Goblin's glider and is going to like literally about to kill him. But Toby Peter steps in, stops him. Uh, Peter doesn't immediately give up. He actually tries to lower it down a little bit, even while Toby's holding it. Still aggressive. Um, but he sees the error of his ways. Uh, Toby Peter has to get stabbed by Green Goblin. Um, but while he's distracted because of that, uh, Andrew tosses, to tosses Tom the cure and Tom injects it into Norman, curing him and moving him back to normal. But sadly, up at the top, Strange is trying to contain the spell, but he can't. So all the villains across the multiverse who know that Peter Parker is Spider-Man are starting to come through. 
Um, but Peter suggesting, remembering that the whole reason the spell gets out of control is because he wanted some people to remember. Um, he tells Strange that the if the only way that the spell could work is if, again, everybody forgets that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. And he means everybody. Um, but Strange uh, brings up the fact that um, to fix the spell at this point, not only will everybody have to forget Peter Parker is Spider-Man, they'd have to forget Peter Parker. And Tom Peter has no issue doing this. And he he agrees that it needs to happen in order for him to seal up that spell, even though everybody, and I mean everybody, MJ, Ned, even Doctor Strange himself, and I will guess even extends to everybody who fought alongside him during, you know, Infinity War and Endgame, would forget who Peter Parker is. So Strange says it's going to take a few minutes. Let him say his goodbyes. So he says goodbye to Toby and Andrew. Um, a really, really sweet moment there. I'll talk about that a little bit more. Um, and then, of course, he has to say goodbye to Ned and MJ. He tells them what's going on, that they're going to forget who he is. But he vows that he is going to find them and he is going to remind them who he is uh, once again. And they will continue, you know, the friendship and their relationship back then. Um MJ tells MJ tells Tom Peter that she loves him. Tom gets ready to say it back, but she tells him no. She wants to hear it from him when she tells him again, you know, on the other side, I I guess, for lack of a of a better term. So Peter swings away, Doctor Strange finishes up the spell, closes the rifts in the multiverse, and and that was it, and the day was saved. He fixed the universe. All of the uh everybody who slipped through coming through uh at first all you know disappear going back to their universes the spider-man all the villains and everything is fixed so we go to a small little epilogue at the end of course everybody does remember spider-man they know spider-man is out there they know he's in the world j jonah is <laughs> is still on his on his usual stuff still calling him spider-man a menace but of course no record that peter parker is spider-man and sadly, no record of who Peter Parker himself is. And there's a small little epilogue of Peter sort of on his own. You know, he goes back to the diner where MJ works. Um, he gets ready to tell her who he is. Ned comes in as well. So it seems like Ned and MJ are still friends. They both have gotten into MIT. But of course, like I said, they don't know who Peter is. He gets ready to introduce himself, but he doesn't. Um, especially when he sees uh, MJ having a Band-Aid on her head from a, a scratch he caught during the, the whole battle and everything. And decides against telling her, and he leaves. Um, he visits Aunt May's grave. Uh, they're happy there as well. Uh, the two of them talk about grief. He brings up how this feels like when he lost... A friend of, he feel how he lost a friend of his, of course, referring to when Tony passed away. And uh, yeah, then we'll see Peter getting an apartment on his own. Uh, he has a GED uh, study book. So it seems to also even show that he doesn't even have school records of Peter Parker. There's no evidence that Peter Parker even graduated from Midtown High. But uh, yeah, he gets an apartment on his own. Uh, then they show that he's kind of stitched up a new suit. 
you know, he goes into police scanners and he goes out, swings over Rockefeller Center with a brand new suit, which is uh seems to be based more on the iconic suit that we kind of more know of, more looking closely to how the suits that Toby and Andrew wore, which I'm guessing he got inspired by seeing their suits, it kind of went that more route. Um, obviously, it's also a lot less techy, a lot less high maintenance than the uh, than the Stark technology based suits he's had so far. But yeah, he goes on to continue his life as Spider Man, and that was the end of Spider Man: No Way Home. All right, so some important things, elements that I couldn't talk about too much. Uh, we'll go back into it. So, um, one of the things was the fact that all the villains who came from the same universes all knew each other. So Doc Ock knew Norman. Of course, Norman knew uh, Otto Octavius. Um, and they all kind of like uh, Max and Kurt knew of one another. And they all knew of like the fates shared by one another. Um, Doc Ock claimed that Norman Osborn died years ago because Norman died um, years before um, Otto became the villain of Spider-Man 2, obviously. Uh, and of course, Flint Sandman kind of told the fates of both of them that Norman and Otto died um, after their fights against Spider-Man. And then, like I said, Max and um, Kurt knew one another. They both worked for Oscorp. We never seen the fact that they knew each other within the movies, but they did both work for Oscorp. So, it, so you know, it's not a stretch that they knew of one another within that world. Um, especially the fact that, uh, you know, Kurt Connors, uh, you know, his events came first. And, you know, his whole thing about trying to turn everybody in New York into lizards, uh, which they also kind of joked about in there. So, of course, Max wouldn't know about all the events of that. So I thought that was a really cool thing to add in there. Um, speaking of that, um, Electro's uh, he had an entirely new look. He wasn't blue like he was in The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Um, he did address the fact that he did look a little different. Uh, even Kurt addressed the fact that he looked different. You know, he was like, oh, yeah, last time I seen you, you had a terrible comb over, referring to that terrible hair he had in The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Uh, it was never directly addressed why he was, like, the only one who had a physical change. But, I mean, I kind of feel like it was just, like, the obvious thing of just, like, we don't want to have just this ridiculous look for him in this one anymore. Make him look a make him look a little more realistic, which I feel was a was a better choice in the end. Um. Also, he um he liked the feel of like the new electricity, the new power within this new universe. That was kind of like his obsession, especially when um within the fabricator Peter was using to develop all these cures. It was powered by. An arc reactor, one of the older arc reactors from like Iron Man 2 with the triangle shape on it. And that's what he used to um, develop his new harness for all his new powers. And it powered him up a little bit, well, not a little bit, a lot more than he was originally. Um, yeah, so another small thing that was kind of a through line in this one was the fact that Ned apparently has some, uh, some mystical uh, potential there. Uh, he, was, uh, he was able to operate the sling rings. Um, he, he did kind of make a little joke when he first entered the sanctum, uh, speaking how his grandma kind of said his family did have magic in him. So it was, it kind of seemed like it was just a joke at the start, but throughout the movie, it, it was kind of like, came back around to show like, oh no, he actually does have some, some magic potential there. So that was really cool. Interested to see if that could go. 
anywhere in the future. Um, speaking of the magic stuff, so one thing that they did kind of drop in here um, that could play a point, play a role in the future is when Peter visited the Sanctum and he actually found out that Wong is actually the Sorcerer Supreme now. Uh, who he got on a technicality because when Strange was snapped, when he was dusted or blipped and gone for five years, the role of Sorcerer Supreme then went to Wong, who was not snapped and dusted. So yeah, Wong is actually the Sorcerer Supreme, the Sorcerer Supreme, not Strange as of right now. And like I said, that could play a role in 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 the Multiverse of Madness later on next year. So, yeah, so that was just some things that I want to talk about. Oh, but uh, I forgot. This is probably one of the biggest things here and probably the explanation of why Peter made his decision in the end. So the biggest thing going into this film was the fact that, and actually it was actually a major moment for the entire trilogy up to this point that, again, we'll talk about a little bit later. But it's uh, Peter's issue of trying to have both things in life him trying to be spider-man but also still trying to stay peter parker or vice versa if you will trying to be peter parker but also still trying to be spider-man he wanted to have both elements of his life but obviously a lot of things uh happen from that from the secret identity um route does introduce a lot of problems and obviously the biggest thing for this one was the fact that those closest to him always feel the effects of the choices he makes as spider-man which was very evident in this film um and i think that might have played a role as to why he didn't reveal who he was to mj and ned at the very end because it was him making the decision that he wants to keep them out of danger as he continues his life as spider-man so he actually made a sacrifice um a, a very personal sacrifice to not reveal who he is to them um, just yet, at least to try and keep them out of danger for as long as he can, as he continues to be Spider-Man. So actually a, a, a very, very sorrowful um, element to it there. But yeah. And obviously that kind of led to the whole him wanting the spell, um, you know, to pit for people to forget but still wanting those closest to him to remember, which of course caused the whole spell to go awry in the end and cause all these problems for him later on. But uh, yeah, moving on to what I liked. Uh, I'm going to keep these two very short. What I liked, nearly everything in this movie. The, the relationship with MJ and Ned the um everything with uh peter and dr strange together was great um all the old villains coming back and like that the everything that happened like in the apartment like which i just it was just so funny for me to fathom this just like oh yeah peter parker is just taking like some of his biggest villains and just putting them all in an apartment in a small little apartment with them like, yeah, let's just bring Green Goblin, Dr. Octopus, Electro, and Sandman into the apartment. Why not? And it was just, like, such a funny thing to try to, like, wrap my mind that was happening right now. And then, of course, just, like, 
the Peter mentors of Andrew and Toby coming back and, and teaching, you know, Tom, Peter a little bit, even Tom teaching them a little bit, the whole working as a team aspect from his time with the Avengers and everything. Um, and goddamn Willem Dafoe. Gosh, this man was amazing in this movie. He didn't skip a beat. It was like freaking 2002 all over again for this dude. And like, and yeah, I also seen in an interview, one of the things he wanted to do if he came back to this role, he wanted to do a lot of stunts himself, which is crazy because Willem Dafoe's like freaking 63, 65 or something. And he's like, yeah, I want to do a lot of my own stunts. And man, geez, freaking Willem Dafoe was just amazing. It was so great to see just Green Goblin again. A, a great, well-done Green Goblin again. You know, Dane DeHaan, I liked him, you know, back in the day. He's a great actor, but his uh, <laughs> his Green Goblin, that, that wasn't it, Chief. That wasn't it, yeah, that wasn't it Chief. So it was so great to see him come back. And I mean, just the, the, the laugh and that whole, you know, dual identity thing that he just can turn on and turn off just like that. Oh man, it was just, it was just so great. And then the fights between him and Tom Holland, and Peter Parker were just amazing. Oh man, it was just so great to just have all that happen. All the moments between the Peters and the villains and, you know, Freaking Tom Holland, Peter Parker talking to Alfred Molina, Doctor Octopus. Oh, it was all great. And Jamie Fox was great. They they kind of just let Jamie Fox be Jamie Fox in as Electro, as opposed to this weird character that they had. Imagine like in Amazing Spider-Man Two. Oh man, it was just it was just all oh, just so fantastic. And what I didn't like, uh, like there was nearly there was nearly nothing. Like there was nearly nothing I didn't. That it was nearly nothing I dislike about this movie. Um, but I will point out that there was kind of like some continuity things in there. They talk about how all the villains who all the villains who've crossed over all die fighting Spider-Man. Which of course isn't true for Kirk Connor's lizard and um Flip Marco's Sandman. They didn't die fighting Spider-Man. Um, you know, Toby McGuire just let Sandman, you know walk away after everything and then um Andrew Garfield just cured um Lizard and he was just thrown in prison at the end of that movie so they didn't die and then there's the whole thing of like apparently it was supposed to be all the villains who knew Peter Parker was Spider-Man which is true for all of them except Electro who never knew that Peter Parker was Sp Peter Parker was Spider-Man Heck, they even had a scene in this movie where Andrew Garfield talked to talked to Max without his mask on, and Max was like, "Oh man, you you from Queens? You were helping people? Man, I thought you was black." <laughs> you know, it was just like he's and freaking Andrew actually apologized for it. He's like, "Oh, I'm sorry." It's just like, "Why are you apologizing?" And he's just like, "Oh man, I know there's got to be a black Spider-Man somewhere out there," which of course got a great laugh, a great chuckle out of the crowd who all knew, you know, about Miles Morales. So, so yeah, it was a, it was just a weird thing about, you know, Electro being the only one who technically did know, but was still brought from the other universe. But that's just small little things. But, it, like, overall, there wasn't really much. Um, filmmaker notes. Uh, 
kind of a, a different route from my filmmaker notes as I just want to point out that films like this are something very special. Like I got very like Infinity War in-game vibes from watching this movie as as it's it's a film that can only happen when that history is already deeply established. That history that extends all the way back to 2002 with the very first Sam Raimi, Tobey Maguire-led Spider-Man film. Um, and it's just, you know, a, a special little celebration of everything that this franchise has been able to do for all these years from three different you know, three different reboots or film franchises. And like, man, there's a scene in this, in this that I don't know. I haven't heard a lot of people talking about it so far, but that, that's mostly due to the fact that I've been avoiding things because of, because of spoilers. And I haven't looked at a lot of reviews and public opinions because when I recorded my review, I wanted it to just be everything I thought and not have a lot of other people's opinions or thoughts kind of leak into my own and mix in with that or whatnot if you get what i'm saying but um there's a scene where where after peter agrees to let the spell happen and says his goodbyes um tom holland peter is thanking um the other two spider-man and for me it wasn't just the character of peter parker thanking these older other peter parkers for helping him you know fight these other villains for me, I totally saw it was Tom Holland himself thanking Toby and Andrew for paving the way for him to um, play this role um, now and really setting the standards and setting the bar for an actor playing this iconic role and for them to have paid those dues all those years back and to not all have it kind of all come back around for something as special as this. And I don't know if anybody else saw it in that moment, but I completely and 100% saw it within Tom. I could see it within the, um, within Toby and Andrew and their reception in, in, in their reaction to hearing him say that. And it was just like, uh, it was just, a, it was such a great little moment. And you know, it's just a it's just a fantastic job of just balancing a, a celebration and a wrap up of some of these Spidey films while continuing the story of this brand new uh, entry. As you know, both kind of Peters drop some little things of talking about you know their lives that we never got to see um, within their movies. With Toby talking about how him and MJ kind of eventually worked out some things in their relationship and made it work because at the end of spider-man 3 their relationship status was kind of left up in the air they never really got back together but they never really called it quits and then um of course uh, i love that moment where um andrew talks about kind of what happened with him after gwen stacy's death because of course he had his uh franchise cut only after two films so we never really got to see much after that but he kind of talks about kind of what happened to him after that and i thought that was a really cool moment so just a just an amazing just kind of amazing way to kind of rope in these other two franchises and these other stories and bringing these people back to really be seen one more time and to celebrate everything that 
is, you know, a Spider-Man movie that's happened so far. Uh, hopefully we get something like this in the uh, Across the Spider-Verse films, but we're going to have to see about that because I freaking love the Into the Spider-Verse. Um, all right, so moving on to future of the franchise. So, um, there are two post-credit scenes for this film, but only one really has um, any kind of... Um, only one really touches on what we could see for the future of this movie. Um, I guess I'll talk about the other one too. But for the first one, we see um, Eddie Brock, Tom Hardy's Venom, uh, still, in that still, in still in Mexico after the events of Venom Let There Be Carnage. Uh, he's getting the info of everything that's happened and everything that's going on within this world. Uh, you know, he's finding out about Thanos, Iron Man, the Hulk. He's just trying to learn everything. So uh, eventually uh, he decides that maybe he should go to um, New York to speak to this Spider-Man uh, to figure out what the heck is going on. Uh, but before he can... He actually disappears in the same effect that happened once Doctor Strange fixed the spell and all the people who came in from the different multiverses all went back home. So it seems for the time being, as of now, uh, Eddie Brock, Tom Hardy's Venom, is back in his original universe. But we pan down to the bar and we see that there is a little small piece of the symbiote left behind. So, this could be hinting at Black Suit Spider-Man could possibly be happening within within the future. Uh, and it's a future we know we're kidding because it has been confirmed that Tom Holland is going to return for more Spider-Man and that there's going to be another trilogy. So, we're getting a Spider-Man 4, 5, and 6, all with Tom Holland continuing to play Peter Parker Spider-Man which I am very glad to see because this has been the one thing I've wanted to see once way, way back when they announced that Tom Holland was coming back, not coming back, when Tom Holland got the role for Spider-Man and that they were going to start with Spider-Man in high school. I wanted to see this Spider-Man grow up within the, the films and within the MCU universe. I wanted to see his path as he grows up and continues his life as Peter Parker and Spider-Man. And just to see where all that goes. Obviously in the last Peter, uh, in the last Spider-Man franchises. He kind of starts in high school. But then he graduates very early within the films. Um, but we never see that gradual growth with him. And I would really hope we get to see that more within these next Spider-Man films. And then of course um, I put it out in a news drop a while ago. But they are working to bring Tom Harlan's Spider-Man, Tom Hardy's Venom into a film together and kind of set the basis for a Sinister Six movie. So I don't know how that's going to come about now with obviously Tom Hardy's Eddie Brock back in his original universe. But this, that little piece of the symbiote could be the start of seeing the two of them eventually cross over at some point in the future. So that's where the future of the franchise is. Um, but just a little side route. The second post-credit scene was actually, to my massive surprise, it was actually a teaser for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. 
So I mean, this is actually like a full blown like teaser trailer for like a like a two minute teaser. Um, I don't know how much I want to talk about it. Um, obviously because it, yeah, it's probably going to be it's probably going to be released sometime soon. I would guess probably like after like the second weekend of um, No Way Home in theaters. They probably release it after that, if not sometime this week, literally. But um, yeah, man, it looks it's looking pretty good. Um, we see, I'll talk, I got to talk about it a little bit. We've seen uh Doctor Strange uh talking to Wanda, needing her help. Um, we've seen our first glimpse of America Chavez, who I'm very excited to see. Uh, Baron Mordo is returning. Um, it seems like Kamatash is gonna get attacked. Um, and then there is another sort of darker, sinister-looking Doctor Strange that's in this film. Uh, my first reaction was, is it Strange Supreme from the What If series? But I guess we'll have to wait and see. It could also be maybe Nightmare um, in some way, shape, or form. But of course, we're going to have to see. Um, so that was really cool that we got that at the very end uh, into the in a, a, a Multiverse of Madness teaser. So that was really dope. So that is it for the spoiler portion of the review. Uh, now we're getting into our non-spoiler final score review. So um, if you skipped here, welcome back. Uh, it's, been, it's been quite uh, a discussion so far, but we're glad to have you back. So my final score for No Way Home. Um, no Way Home is a fantastic film that expertly balances being a celebration of Spider-Man as a film franchise and continuing the story of Peter Parker all the way back from Homecoming. Uh, from the start, the film is filled with excellent humor, surprisingly hard-hitting action, and a ton of heart, where every emotion that needs to affect the audience hits them right in the feels. I'm telling you. Um, I feel Spider-Man No Way Home could easily go on to be the highest grossing Spidey film so far, and honestly might go down as the greatest one yet. Yes. So my final, my final score for Spider-Man No Way Home is a Geek Visions first 10 out of 10. So yes, a Geek Visions first, our first 10 out of 10 for a movie. Uh, man, I can tell you, I have not been this giddy about watching a movie since Avengers Endgame. But I feel because the focus is now more on a singular character, they were able to actually refine story um, moments and story beats. And actually that and that actually makes it stronger and actually makes a lot more of those emotional moments actually hit a lot harder and. I feel like it's a little bit stronger than that. So yeah, Spider-Man No Way Home is a 10 out of 10. So that is it for another Geek Visions review. What did you think about the movie? Have you seen it yet? Have you not? Does this review make you want to see it even more or make you want to see it again? Let me know because of course, like I say, you can find the Geek Visions podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, 
And now it's even on Amazon and Google Podcasts and Pandora, which I still need to double check because I haven't double checked if I actually got, if I actually got accepted yet. And also feel free to follow and subscribe on any of those platforms I mentioned before. And of course, leave me a review and let me know how I'm doing because I would very much appreciate it. So, yes, as we get ready to close out the year and the holidays, um, like I said, we might have a news drop sometime this week, possibly. That'd be our last one of the year. But our last uh, our last episode of this year is definitely going to be the Matrix Resurrections review that I will also hope to have up in a timely manner. So be on the lookout for those two if they happen. Well, one is definitely going to happen. If the other happens, you know, make sure you're following and subscribe to see if it actually does. But anywho, that is it from me. Everybody stay safe out there. Enjoy your holidays. Uh, enjoy your time with the family. And also, like I say, be safe. Take care of yourself, both physically and mentally. And always, always remember to keep watching, keep playing, and stay awesome all right guys i'm out of here see you 